0: Send a gift of twenty-five dollars or more, and ask for the transition of the church gift offer.
1: Hey, welcome back in this show. is Mark I've Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time mark was talking about and certainly love to get you hooked up if you want to do it just by the telephone we can do that also and you can give the office a call 618-262-2810 and find out more about that also like i said earlier we do have with us from mount Carmel, illinois prophet tom decker the
2: reason living by faith is no fun is because it's just that you're going to live by faith you're going to live and bless god you're going to learn the battle in the supernatural world you're going to learn to spiritually, bless God, to go to war. And bless God, I'm going to tell you something. A lot of people don't know how to do that, and we're going to see to it that you do, all right? Let's go to Psalms 23.1. I want to take this one scripture here. My voice thought, you know, that, what did I say, 23? Okay. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If he's your shepherd, you're not going to want what does it mean if he's a shepherd? Now listen, a shepherd does what? He takes the flock and guides the flock into the good fields. The shepherd watches over to make sure that no rules, nothing comes, bears, nothing comes, and bless God, destroys, destroys that flock, okay? He's the shepherd. He sees that you're fed. He sees you're watched over. He sees you're taken care of. He sees you've got water, and he says, do you know what the key is? is your shepherding mechanism may be wrong. Okay? Whoever your shepherd is may not, may not be doing those things in your behalf. I have said for years, I've done a lot of ministers' conferences through the years, and I have said, and and every one of them, I've asked this question. Brothers and sisters, I said, you need to search your hearts, and you need to decide what is the motive of you being a minister what's behind that are you there for the people's sake are you there for oh look at me I'm in front of the crowd are you there for the money that's coming in and and the car that you might own or the home that you may own or the church that you might build if that's what it's about you're in the wrong business you're in the business that you're going to end up God's going to be pointing the wrong direction on that day that you stand before him this isn't a game it's not an elective it, it's a command. See, and somehow or other, we've got into this thing where we believe that we can just do whatever we want to do. You know what? You can, but you also can end up in hell over it. And it's not worth that part, surely. And for all of you that believe that once saved, always saved, will hold on to your chairs, all right? And somebody, at one time a Baptist brother came to me and he said, well, he said, you're wrong about that. And I said, oh, really? I said, do you believe that if you're a Baptist and you're saved and You're out here and you're drunk every night. You're going to go to heaven? Absolutely. I said, that's not what the Word says. Do you think if you're saved and you lie and you cheat and you steal, you're going to go? Oh, yeah. I said, no, that's not what the Word says. You see, just because we have a doctrine doesn't mean the doctrine is right. And I think that's difficult for us. Why? Because we have been told, and I think rightfully so, you've got to trust your shepherd. Whoever you sit under, if you can't trust them, leave. See, I'm always having to tell people that. I'm always having to tell people, look, if you can't trust what I'm doing, leave. I mean, I don't have a monopoly on this thing. Leave. You can't come and, bless God, you're going to have to believe what I'm doing, trust what I'm doing, or we're not going to, we're not going we're never going to get anywhere. And I see too much of it, all right? Now, in Philippians 4.19, and most of you, again, probably have already quoted that to yourself, but it's always good that we might be able to flip back there and flip to it and See what it has to say, and, and bless God, get to... I would like to give you another scripture first, but I'm not going to get to do that. Now, if God, and of course, when you, get to, when you get to realizing that, I think one of the things that most of us get to thinking wrong with the Lord is that we get to thinking that somehow God is waiting up here for us to do one thing right, and then he blesses us for the next, what, the rest of our life. And I wish that was so. I honestly do. I wish that, that, bless God, that that was the way that it works. But you see, this thing can come and it can go. Uh, you know, you can one day, and you can, the, the Bible's full of illustration. I mean, Saul was a great example of it. Saul was king of all of Israel, was given an unlimited anointing to work in. And bless God, the next thing we see God saying is that he took the anointing of Saul And he replaced it with an evil spirit that he put upon him. And then he prophesied, didn't he? Well, was he prophesying in the things of God? He couldn't have been. He was prophesying in a familiar spirit. Did he know it? Nope, not one bit. All right, 419, and it says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, who's going to supply God? And it's going to be what? To all of our needs not just part of them. And you need to, to, and I know most of you have heard that taught, but you need to understand that God says, I'm going to supply all your needs. Now, if your needs are not all being supplied, then God's a bully and he's a meanie and he doesn't like you and he likes me more than he likes you. No, that's not at all what the thing is going on here. What's going on is you're missing God somewhere. You are missing God somewhere. Because the word of God is truth. Let everything else, the Bible said, let everything else be a lie, right? But let his word, let his word be the truth. And his word is the truth. Now, God's uh, tithing has always been God's universal financial principle to bless us so we can do what? Meet the need of the church. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think that what happened is, you know, and God knew there was going to be these big churches, these mega churches. But what the church misunderstood about this is that with what is going on, there was a ministry not too long ago talked about spending a million dollars, I think it was a million dollars a month on television. Now, my mind won't even go there. All those zeros, and that's what it takes to be on TV. I know I said to a brother not too long ago, I said, when does enough become enough? When does a minister say, look, I don't need to be known all over the world. I don't need to be spending all all this money to do that. Can you imagine how many people could be fed in Africa with a million dollars a month? I do. Okay? I know exactly how many you could feed. But yet at the same time, people say, yeah, but the gospel wouldn't get out. Now be careful. Now be real careful with thinking like that. Because God can do anything. And Whose kingdom are we trying to build anyway spending a million dollars a month on television? Are they saying that they're the only ones that's capable of people listening to, to receive the things of God? I hope not, but I'm afraid it's the truth. The fact of it is that God has got a plan, and within that plan, it is not a one-man show. And it's not. I've got a whole lot that I say about those things. This is a corporate. This is the body move of God. This hasn't got anything to do with oh a one-man show. As I said, I've been a one-man show for 33 years, and I'm personally sick of it. I'm sick of being your God. I'm sick of being your miracle worker. I'm sick of being your your healer, because I'm not any of the above. I'm a piece of flesh and blood that was called from the foundation of this world for the angels to show up and make me go out and stand in front of presidents and everywhere else in this world, and prophesy this, say at the mouth of God, and tell them in three days this is going to happen, the sign would be there that they'd know that God sent me. I'm tired of all that stuff, have been for years, and besides that, it scares me. Still, it scares me to have to go do that. But what I'm doing is suckering some of you into the place where you can go do it yourselves. Okay? One day, some of you are going to call me and say, you know, I know, prophet, exactly how you felt. I say, yeah, you do. You're a day in the barrel, right? Okay. Now, tithing did not originate with the law of Moses. Let's go to Genesis 14. And a lot of people get to thinking that's where that all came from, but it didn't. I think we get a lot of misconceptions, and I think a lot of those misconceptions come from, bless God, people that, that don't study the Word. You know, they go sit in a dead church, listen to a dead message, and then all of a sudden they've got all the answers, and they really don't understand. They don't have any of the answers. Now, the 14th chapter of Genesis, in the 18th verse, it says, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. Notice how he did that. Boy, that's big-time stuff. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies under thine hand, and he... Gave him tithes of all. He gave him tithes. Now, that word tithe just simply means a tenth. Now, 430 years before the law was given to Moses, this was given. This was done. 430 years before. So, you see, this, this wasn't something, again, if you're, if you're one of those advocates of all, well, I'm not under the law. That's got nothing to do with the law. All right? That came, that, that's the command of God. Was it law? Yeah, it ended up being law because that's the way God wanted to be. What God said to Abraham would come to pass through what? Isaac and Jacob? That's exactly what it means. Now, in Genesis 28, if you'll turn there, Genesis 28, starting in the 15th verse, And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again unto this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. Now, notice that promise of God. He's not going to leave you. Once God commissions you to something, He's not going to leave you until that which He's spoken of uh, has has come to pass. At least at that point, all right. And you can look you can look at the disciples and bless God the apostles and the way that, that some of them died. Uh, you know they've chased me and tried to they've shot at me, tried to kidnap me and everything else all over this world. And I've always had the same attitude that it's not my time to die. And when it's my time to die, when I've done all that God wants me to do, then something can happen, and I know that, but until then nothing can happen, because I am under the auspice of the, of the hand of God, and I know that, and that is exactly what he was saying here. And Jacob awakened out of sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid, and said, How dreadful is this place! This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob arose up early in the morning, and took the stone that he had put for a pillow, and by the way, that's the stone that ended up in the abbey in England. Started out with, I, I think today it's with the Scots. Isn't that right, Donna? I think it was with Ireland. That, that's the, this is the stone that, that Jeremiah was sent forth with, and thus God took unto the children of God, the ten lost tribes. And the same one. And poured oil upon the top of it, and be called the name of the place Bethel, but the name of that city which is called Luz, at the first, and, and Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so I will come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house, and all that thou hast shall give me I will surely give the tenth unto thee. So there's where the tenth came in. Okay, at which it began and is the tithe. I'll get into that one of these days. It, it's kind of interesting. It's not anything that's going to change your life, but it's important to understand that. See, God uh, swore that there would always be a king over Judah through David. And bless God, uh, the fact of it is that stone that was there in the Abbey, the Queen Elizabeth what the second was the last one to be inaugurated. Set uh, everybody set on top of that. That throne, that stone was under it, all right? And that's uh, absolute proof that what God spoke all those years ago through the prophets came to pass, that, that there's always been. And you say, well, you mean that she's the, the monarch uh, out of the loins of Judah that sits upon the throne, as God always said? Yep, at this point, that's right. Now, when he comes back, he will take, take over that and will be exactly who he is, all right, the King of kings and the Lord of, of all lords. Let's turn to Colossians, the first chapter of Colossians. I'm into history like that, so you just have to forgive me. One thirteen, And I think this is interesting. He says here, Colossians 1.13, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son? You become heir of all the benefits of the privileges of the kingdom. And that's what you become when you've been delivered, and blessed God, from the powers of darkness. And you've been translated into the kingdom. And what's in the kingdom? Everything that you have need of is within the kingdom. And I really believe that if we were able to understand that and realize that dear God in heaven, we're blessed. We become heirs to all the benefits, okay? We have all the privileges. They're all there. God never says nay. He says yea and yay. So the thing that that disturbed me for many, many years was to look at a sick down and out and broke. People call themselves children of God. So I said the sickest people in this world are the Pentecostal people. I go to these Pentecostal churches, and I'm telling you what? Bless God in heaven, they're all down front to be prayed for, and every week they get hands laid on them. Every week somebody's praying for them, and they're sick. What's that about? They don't understand the benefits and the privileges that come with this thing. They don't understand how to attain those and hang on to them. And of course, like I keep telling you, bless God, if you, if you want to be uh, healthy, wealthy, and wise, you better get on to the end of the program and understand, you keep the festivals, you keep New Moon, Rosh Hashanah, and you keep Shabbat, and bless God, I'm going to tell you what, the, the Ten Commandments, that's what somebody said the other day, well, does that mean the, well, of course it means the Ten Commandments, all right? If you get into this thing and begin to realize, and then begin to realize, see, those are the basics. Okay, those are the basics. Those can begin the blessings flowing to you. Now, there are things that go past and go deeper into this thing, and one of them is that if you, the wife's running the home, yeah, I don't care if you live to be Methuselah's age, you're never going to get blessed. You hear me, fellas? Gals, are you listening? Your place is to be a helpmate. It didn't say anything about being the leader of. Not a thing. You say, well, I don't like that. Well, get over it. The fact of it is, it's the truth. God set the kingdom up in an order for it to work. He didn't set the kingdom up in an order for us to decide to change the order and act like it works anyway. Because why? It didn't work. It's like I told you, some of you got your, your some of your children and running your homes. Running them. Bless God, you're not running, there running your home. It just doesn't work that way. And then it goes, from there, it, obviously it goes further. Um, what does that mean about the tithe? Well, it means, uh, you know, when people get into and begin to realize, it's a lot better. In fact, I'm going to tell you something. It's a lot more fun to give than it is to receive. Because, see, receiving is automatic blessings from your giving. You know, once you understand that if you'll give, you're going to lay up treasures. As I said, there's, you can draw from those things. I know you can because I've drawn from them. But you're laid up into heaven. They're laid up. The brush, God, I'm going to tell you something. They're going to be up there, and when you're there, it's going to kind of be like God giving you add-ons, you know. Well, let's see, you did this, you did this. Oh, you did this over here, you did that over there. What are you going to have when you get there? Well, I made a million dollars. That's going to impress God, mainly because he owns all the cattle on all the hills. That's going to really impress him that you made a million dollars. God's going to say, well, what did you do with that million dollars? Well, um, you know, tough times were coming. I heard this prophet say so. So I took all my money and I hid it and saved it. And the Lord God said, and how did you further the kingdom? And then you're going to be stuck, aren't you? How did I further the kingdom? You're not going to have an answer. And folks, I'm here to tell you something. As Solomon said, we're but flowers of the field. We're only here for a season. We're not here long enough to make a whole lot of difference in anything, but yet we're here. But it's what we do here and now that's going to count for eternity. And that's what we've got to grab onto. That's what we've got to start considering is the fact that not... as You see, our society has taught us it's me, myself, and I. And God's Word teaches us it's everybody else first, and you'll be taken care of because you took care of them. That's the way that the order in which the kingdom works. Now now I was in talking about Deuteronomy 26. Is that where I was going? I don't think I got there. My page hadn't turned there yet. Anyway, let me see if I can get it there. 26 and two and three. That thou shalt take of the first of all the fruit of the earth which thou shalt bring of the land that the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shall put it in a basket, and shall go unto the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place uh, His name there, and thou shalt. Go unto the priest that in those, be in those days, and say unto him, I profess this day unto the Lord by God that I am come unto the country which the Lord swear unto our fathers for to give us. Now, what's it all about? It's all about the fact that they were to do what? They were to take the first fruits. Now, some of you say, well, I don't, I don't grow a garden, so I don't have to worry about that. Well, unfortunately, money becomes first fruits, too. Now, I used to have a a fellow around me that every year he'd bring me one-tenth, and I don't mean a a pound over, bring me one-tenth of everything he grew in his garden. And I got, first I thought it was funny, and then it got to be quite a deal because he, he grew an acre of garden, okay? And so we had more garden than we knew how to, you know, than we had time to take care of, obviously, and didn't even have a garden that year. But you see, again, It's the idea of understanding that it's not limited just to money. It's not limited just blessed to this. You know, I made a statement uh, numbers of years ago, and I said, okay, and I was teaching on this subject. I said, so let's stop and think about something. If we are to give a tenth unto the Lord God, then that means that we are to give 2.4, almost two and a half hours a day unto God. Think about it. What would happen to your life If you spent 2.4 hours every day before him, studying, praying, and seeking his face, that would eliminate when you get to that time when things go haywire and you start yelling, Help! Right? Because you would have what? You would have gotten yourself in a position to have done And let me tell you something else about seeking God. The way that the spirit world operates, that if you're seeking after him, Your spirit knows exactly what's going on. Your spirit is always knowing what's going on. Your spirit will prepare you as you're seeking God for these times that come to you, if you'll just let that happen. And you can do that. If you'll seek him, if you'll seek him, you'll know. People get amazed sometimes, and I say, very seldom can anybody ever call me that I don't tell Don, well, we're going to hear from such and such here, in just a little while today, the phone rings, and maybe I haven't heard from for six months or six weeks or whatever, but it's them on the other end. What's that about? Because, you see, I stay in tune, uh, my spirit to his spirit. And you can't stay in tune unless you're willing to seek after him. You, you're never going to get in tune with God. Why? Because that getting in tune with God is something once you do, if you stop it, How many of you ever go out here and decide I'm going to walk a mile every day and you do it for about a month and then you don't do it again for six months? Yeah, well, that first month didn't do you much good after six months, did it? And seeking God's the same way. If you're going to seek God and you get into one of these, uh, into the position, then bless God, the next thing that's going to happen to you, you're going to get yourself, you know, you're going to get yourself into another position and then you're going to get in tune enough with God that this stuff's going to come up and when these crises come up, you're going to be prepared for it. You're going to just happen to read the right set of scriptures. You're going to happen to just be, be hearing God say things to you that's going to say when the crisis time comes, oh, yeah, now I thank God that I was seeking him. But what happens to most of us, most of us just don't seek him enough to understand that. Let's go to Hebrews, the third chapter, Hebrews 3. I probably need to stop here and have a time out and, and uh, try to figure this thing out here. I'm going to have more of this, and I can get in this afternoon. I don't want to have enough to make sure I can make this evening. Uh, Hebrews 3.1, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Now understand, we have a high priest. Not your pastor, but who? Yeshua. He's the high priest. who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. Now, we have a high priest, and that high priest does for us, obviously in intercession, as we seek him again, that this whole thing is so much different today than it was for them that lived, you know, before his coming. And I never, ever want anybody to mistake. I never try to play down the importance of his intercessorship that he has before the throne room of God for all of us. I mean, I'm glad that I didn't live back in that day and that age. I'm glad that I didn't. I'm glad that I have the opportunity, however, to be here now on this earth when God is about to, bless God, turn things right straight upside down for the kingdom's sake, and He's going to do that. Let's go to he- Hebrews 6.17. It says there, Wherein God, willing more abundant to show unto the heirs of promise the immutably of His counsel... Confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie. Now, I want you to understand, he cannot lie. He can't lie. Say, God can't lie. God can't lie. We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. He says, but you see, uh, the neat thing about it is, what do you read on? Which hope we, we have as an anchor of the soul. Both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Whether the forerunner of us entered, even Jesus, made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So he was, he was made in the same order of Melchizedek, but uh, the fact of it is he's the Son of Almighty God, which gives him position. And I'm sure that you don't, we don't need to go past the, past the position. That's in the first verse, uh, the seventh chapter, for this Melchizedek king of salem priest of the most high god who met abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him To whom also abraham gave a tenth part of all first being by interpretation king of righteousness and after that also king of salem which is king of peace without father without mother without descent having neither beginning of days nor end of days but made like unto the son of god abideth a priest continually now consider how great this man was and to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. And verily, they uh, that are the sons of Levi, who received the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the lions of Abraham. Now I want to stop there, and I want you to understand what's being uh, ministered here by probably Paul. Now I mean, there's a great argument who wrote Hebrews, but it, if it's not, Paul sure sounded like him when he, when he wrote. But I want you to understand what, what he was saying. That he was saying that it was as the priesthood have a commandment to take the tithes, okay, have a commandment to take the tithes of the people according to the law. Now let me stop and ask you again. Does the church take up tithes and offerings? Is that by the law? Absolutely it is. It's part of the law. Now, for again, now the church is not going to run away and quit taking tithes and offerings just because they come to a great revelation. Well, that's the law, and we're not in bondage of the law, so let's just don't do that anymore. And I can tell you why. Because they've got to have the money, okay? So they're not going to do that. But what I want you to see there is that it's according to the law. That is, the brethren, through, they came out of the loins of Abraham. The sixth verse says, But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him, that had promises, and without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. And here men that die receive tithes, but there shall receive it them of whom it is witnesses that, that he liveth. He is in position, meaning the Lord God, as our high priest today. Now he's not, uh, bless God, we tithe unto the high priest, all right, we're tithing unto The Levitical priesthood is what we're tied to. Now that stretches out, and that gets probably from here to who knows where as to who are the real priests. Well, you know, again, to be able to trace all of it back, as I have said for numbers of years, we have a lot of ministry today that aren't even called to be ministers. They don't have the anointing. They don't have the calling. And yet they're in these holy bemas. They have been to school. See, this isn't book learning, folks. It is spirit and life. That's what this is all about, and that's what confuses the matter. The fact of it is, this is spiritual knowledge. And in order for spiritual knowledge to be, bless God, interpreted into the language that you're listening to here today, it has to be done by somebody spiritually in tune. And most of the ministry today isn't spiritually in tune. And if they were, they'd have a problem because they can't get to the prophets. Because Most of the denominations today don't believe that there are any prophets anymore since whatever the Old New Testament, say, they call it. Or the fact of it is, uh, you know, if it is, it's it's this peace-peace type of thing. And, you know, I have a, a piece of Revelation knowledge here uh, to give you a, a word of knowledge and and that makes me a prophet. No, it doesn't. I'm sorry. I mean, I know that's what the church would like to get you to thinking, but that's not the way the thing works. Let's go to, let's go to Deuteronomy 26. I think that was one of the things that, as I said, I, I've never been real fond of having to work in a word of knowledge, and I do, and I will do it any time that God tells me to do it. But the fact of it is, there's so much more than you having a, a word to tickle your your neck from God. Um, the key is for you to seek God. It's it's not for me to say, "Oh, God said this," and "Oh, look who I God thinks you are and what you're going to do in this." Now, folks, again, uh, that that's that's the part that sucks the bottles and needs the diapers changed. Okay, and I wish that we would have grown past that at this point, but we haven't. We're just a uh, the church is full of babies that think they're all growing up, and you wait till the time of Christ come, and you hear them why wah, 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 The same people that are so spiritual are the ones that cry the loudest. And I've watched it too many years. When do you think that's going to stop? When we grow up. When we begin to take this thing in hand and begin to really realize what it is that, you know, that God, is, God is really doing. 26.4. And the priest shall take the basket out of thy hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord thy God. So uh, that's what Jesus is doing today when you give your tithes and offerings. He sets them before the altar in what? In the high sanctuary of the Lord God in heaven. He puts them there. Fifth verse. And thou shalt speak and say before the Lord thy God, a Syrian ready to, uh, to perish, was my father, and he went down into Egypt, and so journeyed there in a few, and became there a nation, great, mighty, and populous. And the Egyptians evil entreated us, and afflicted us, and laid upon us hard bondage. Uh, he goes on to say, and and when we cried unto the Lord our God, uh, God of our fathers, the Lord heard our voice, looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression, and the Lord brought us forth out of Egypt, with a mighty hand, and with an outstretched arm, and with great terribleness, and with signs, and with wonders. And he hath brought us unto this place, and hath given us this land, even a land that floweth with milk and honey. And now, behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land, which thou, O Lord, hast given me. And thou shalt set it before the Lord thy God, and worship before the Lord thy God." Uh, this was what? This, that was their confession. We have done exactly what we were told to do, we did it in the order in which we were told that it must be done, okay? And we got it all taken care of. And you know, once you do that, you can feel good about yourself. Why? Because you physically are having to do something. You're having to attach yourself or detach yourself, however you, you know, if it's, you know, some people turn and lose their tithe and their offering is like pulling eye teeth. They're going, But God's going to bless me. Now, if that's where you are, uh, forget that part. I mean, you're, that, that's not going to work. That's not going to impress God. It's not going to impress his prophet, and you're not going to get anything for it. So, what you need to do is what you need to get your you need to get your thinker here in the right place. You need you need to begin to realize that you have to be a joyful giver. You have to give because you're not trying to give to get. You're giving because you have the opportunity to give. And folks, there's everything in this world, a difference in those two statements. You have to look for the opportunity and when you see the opportunity, then bless God, embrace the opportunity knowing, knowing that you're about to lay up treasures up there, okay? How many times have you been around people that said, boy, I'll tell you what, I've got a light bill. I've got a really, really, really having problems paying, or my kids need shoes, or I need a coat." you ever been around somebody like that? Now listen to, listen to what most of the church does. says, Honey, we'll be praying for you. That's what most of the church says to them. Well, honey, we'll, we'll be praying now. You just trust God and have faith. That's not, what, that's not what this is about. This is about, bless God, taking them home and giving them the best coat you've got in your closet. Tell them to put it on, wrap it around them, and go down the street. It's about, bless God, if your kid got kids and they got shoes and got a second pair of shoes, then you go give them the best pair of shoes them kids have got. You'll be able to get them more shoes down there. Why? You're laying up treasures in heaven. You've you, you got, a, you got a, a bank to draw from, and bless God, you've seen an opportunity. No. Now listen to me. God gave you the opportunity. The biggest mess that I ever got into before I got in ministry. The old prophet decided that he was going to let me teach the adult Sunday school, uh, not the adult uh, Wednesday uh, or Wednesday, Thursday night adult men's class. And boy, I'll tell you what, I mean, I'm fasting and I'm praying. I mean, I got an opportunity I don't want to blow, you know. And so, I, so anyway, I, I did a few weeks and everything went okay. And so the, the message that, this particular evening was you got a neighbor that needs to ball a hole that hoe's garden so he comes over to your house now this same neighbor had borrowed things from you before and sometimes he broke things and sometimes he didn't bring things back and you had to you know go get them and so here he comes to the door and he knocks on the door hey how about me borrow a, a hole my hole broke and I, I need to borrow a hole and you've got two hoes out there in your shed you got a brand new one and you got another one there that just really needs to be thrown away. Which one of those two holes are you going to give to that neighbor? Folks, they got so upset that I thought the brethren was going to go out in the parking lot and try to settle it with fists. I never saw a can of worms being opened up that was that that way in the whole time I'd been around church. They were arguing. They were shouting at each other. And, and all I did was say, which hole would you give to him?" And bless God, well, I wouldn't have given the new one. I said, well, wait a minute. God said to give the best. Well, yeah, but they told her, I said, but God didn't say to judge them. God just said to give. You see where I'm going with this? Do you know what happened the next week? Nobody showed up but me. I got there. I sat and I waited. It was in the, it was in the sanctuary to poop. And I waited and I looked at my watch and it comes seven o'clock, nobody showed up. Seven fifteen, no no cars in the parking lot. Seven thirty, I'm thinking, Man, I, I, I'm gonna what am I gonna do? I thought, now wait a minute. I fasted and prayed. I got myself a dandy little sermon here. I just turned on the old PA system and I thought, well, I'm gonna preach this thing. And I mean I went to preaching. And I was a-shouting. I was a-jumping up and down. Now, this old church, and it was an old church, and it had windows that come way down here, okay? And I'm just a-carrying on, and there was a house that sat next door to that old church, about, oh, I don't know, from, from maybe that wall to that wall from the church. And I looked over all of a sudden, and this old man living that thing, he's looking in that church, and he's looking around, and there's nobody in there. And he'd look at me, and then he'd look all the way through that church, and he looked look back at me, I'm going, I never quit preaching. I just kept preaching. I went ahead and preached, and I said, I'll bet you that old man had a story to tell when he got home. I'll bet you it's a wonder he didn't have his wife and the kids all over there looking in the window to find out who I was preaching to. But the fact of the matter is, it comes down to, to, to giving. But you know, again, where God's looking? He's looking inside of our hearts. And that's where, I, above and beyond everything else, that, that's where this thing becomes dangerous because it's the motive of your heart it's how you look at this It's how you how you look at it and do you begrudgingly give it are you giving it because you want to give it because you see an opportunity to give not so much the opportunity to be blessed because that's automatic and and too often people are, are, are trying to say well I I have to give to get blessed well you're not gonna get blessed that way you give because you want to do the right thing in the eyes of God you want to lay those treasures up in heaven and if you will get those treasures laid up in heaven guess what the rest of this thing will become a cakewalk to you. Once you get on to it, once you begin to realize that, hey, I am out here looking for the opportunity to give. And that's where you got to get. You've got to look for that opportunity. You've got to look for it. And every time you find it, jump on it. Don't you? I'll never forget the pastor. He said to me, he said, well, he said, I need somebody, somebody to, to, to mow the, the grass. Now, I'm keeping the door of the church at this time, which is simply mean, meant that, uh, uh, we came in and, 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 and we cleaned the church every week. And we were there an hour before service started to turn the heat on. And I was there to greet everybody when they came in, everybody when they went out. And I, I shut the heat down or the air conditioner or whatever it was, locked the church up. And now pastor saying, I need somebody to volunteer to mow the grass. I had my hand up before anybody even thought about it. And he said, well, Brother Deckard, do you, do you feel like, oh, yeah, yeah, I will mow that grass. Bless God when God got done service, his brother came in and said, well, why'd you volunteer to mow that grass? I said, I need the blessings. I said, I saw an opportunity to be blessed. I saw an opportunity to do something for the kingdom. And because I'm going to do it for the kingdom, on the other end, God's going to bless me. I'm going to lay up treasures in heaven. I said, you didn't want to mow it. You didn't put your hand up. Nobody put their hand up but me. And you know how I mowed that? Now listen to this. We had an 18-inch Snapper Comet push mower about that big of a cut. Now, it's two acres to mow, and me and the boys would get out there after dark with flashlights. I would push, and they would walk in front with the flashlights, and we mowed that. We mowed it for over two years, and people say, I've got to got ride in lawnmower. and I said, oh, I said, that little snapper just does a wonderful job. I said, don't steal my blessings, brother. I said, now, I, I, I'm on a, I'm on a, on a, on a, a track uh, to bless God, to, to please God. I said, just let me please God, and I kept, we kept mowing that grass, kept keeping that church. What was that about? Because, you see, I didn't have money to give, and that's what I'm trying to get across now. It's not always dollars and cents, okay? It's not always dollars and cents. Give of yourself. Give of your time. But don't get yourself into one of these things where you're saying, well, I can't. I can't because, uh, well, you know, I can't because, I mean, after all, I, I work and I do. Well, you know, I, I had to tell somebody just not very long ago, well, if your standard of living is is so high that, bless God, that you can't make ends meet, then you're going to have to do one, two things. You're either going to have to get a second job or you're going to have to uh, get rid of some of your overhead. There's no way in between to those things. And this particular, not this person, but there's other people sitting around believing that, bless God, that you, by faith, any day things are going to change. No, there's, there's so many dollars and cents going to come in that paycheck. And you've got to know that. You've got to realize that. Uh, most of what we get into isn't God's fault. Well, everything we get into is not God's fault anyway; it's ours. But we try to we try to think that God's going to just instantly bail us out because I went and had oil poured on me, by the prophet last week, and everything's going to work out. No, no, it may get worse before it gets better, but it will get better. Can somebody say Amen? Now we're going to finish this this evening. Uh, I'm going to get to the meat of the thing. I want you to uh, I want you to uh, uh, understand. That this again isn't to try to get your money to be given to this prophet. This is trying to get you in a position where you can be blessed. That's that's what. That's if you're blessed, you're going to teach somebody else how to be blessed, and before you know it, we're going to have a a, have a community of blessed people. And once that begins to happen, people are going to start giving account, folks. They're going to start uh, taking account of the fact of saying, okay, you know, maybe just maybe we need to get ourselves in line with this thing because these blessings are a whole lot more fun than the other side. Amen? Stand up, we're going to pray. 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 Stand up, we're going to pray.
1: Hey, thank you again so much. That's Prophet Tom Deckard, Mount Carmel, Illinois, Cradle of Hope Ministries. Again, you can get more information out at the website, www.JewishProphet.com. Get out there, do yourself a favor, find out what's going on here, and you won't be disappointed. So again, you can also get more, all the tape series is out there on the website for you to get a hold of. I greatly encourage you to get all that. You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com and we'll be praying for your prayer request. Again, that's cradle at jewishprophet.com. Shalom. Until next week, remember, with God, all things are possible.